Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey guys, welcome to the Bobbycast. In honor of Scuba Steve's birthday, which just happened, we wanted to share this episode of the Bobbycast. We brought on Scuba Steve, who is the executive producer of the Bobby Bone Show, and we basically get into his life, which we don't do a lot on the radio show for him because he's behind the scenes. He's running the show. So we talked about how he got into it, his past relationships, how he got the job on the Bobby Bone Show. So in honor of his birthday, we thought we'd play this again. Maybe you didn't hear it the first time. Here is Scuba Steve. I in our studio at home with Scuba Steve. It's Eddie, Scuba, and myself. And for a while, when I first started to do this podcast, I was putting people on the show, radio show on, and I just put them on so people could get to know them. It's really before we dialed into just being music, yeah. right? We're putting anybody on, just calling it a Bobby Cat. I did one. Yeah, but people like to get to know members of the show better. And then I thought, and I was talking to Mike about it, I said, you know, Scuba moved here during a pandemic, mm-hmm. so nobody really hangs out. Like, you come over to play basketball. Had you ever hung out with Scuba? Uh, no, not outside of work. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Uh, your Christmas party, what, last last year? year ago, oh, yeah. yeah, not pandemic, but yeah. right when you moved. I guess you moved here right before the pandemic. It was like two, three months before the pandemic, yeah. And then it just all shut down. Yeah, I guess we're douches for not hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, 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 he, he, was, he was getting <laughs> situated. He was getting situated. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Anyway. Is it that gun thing you're going to teach me one of these days, too, right? Mm. Yeah, that's coming. Um, so... I thought, why not have Scuba in? Eddie and I can ask you some questions. Okay. We can get to know you a little better. All right, cool. And move on with our lives. <laughs> <laughs> He's very interesting. So, like, I would say as soon as we're done recording, you know, with the Bobby Bones show and everything, everything we do for the rest of the day, it's usually just me and Scuba left for, like, two hours after everyone's gone. So we've got to know each other pretty well. What are yeah. you doing for two hours? Videos, man. Okay. I got a list of yeah. videos that I need to do. And then when I'm done with that, I go home and then Scuba's there for another four hours. So well, sometimes Scuba hit me up in the afternoon at work and I'm like, you go back to work? Because no, I haven't left work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's just, by the way, Scuba Steve is our executive producer on the show. He's the guy pulling all the strings, lining things up, making decisions. He's the guy that is doing the work that you don't know who's doing the work. I get all the credit. 
and I should. Mm-hmm. But there's also scuba, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm totally fine with that. That's the um, yeah. I, I'm I'm totally not kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, so you you are the executive producer. How would you describe your job? I like like you said, jack of all trades, managing the team behind the scenes. Uh, making sure everyone's in line, uh, put, booking the guests, dealing. One thing I didn't realize is part of my job that I didn't get into until this happened was sales. There is so much sales involved with this. You get the emails daily of sales requests. Uh, there's a lot of things you don't get because I handle it before it even gets to you or just cancel it before it even gets to you. Uh, requests, ridiculous requests. Uh, What's a ridiculous request? Without saying anything exactly. Like what is something, and I'm putting you on the spot here, so I'm going yeah. to vamp for a second while you think. Okay. I know you get a lot of things sent to you or a lot of ads from local sales or local sales from all over the country. And you go, I, I'm not even going to take that to Bobby because I know he's going to say no. Nice. Can you give me an example? Well, I won't say the brands, but there's some brands that just don't fit you and your personality, like which wouldn't sell you cigarettes, like uh, something like that. Pecker pills. <laughs> <laughs> no, those go straight to you. And then wanting to post about it on social and do a video about it. Yeah. And like, we're not going to do that. Or before the pandemic was a lot of travel and we don't have time to travel because we're doing the show daily. Yeah. Um, a lot of those kind of things. Or, or lowball offers that don't fit what you should be paid for. It. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Do you know, though, I don't get paid for national spots? Yeah, I don't think anyone does. So I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah. Did you know that? I knew that, yeah. I knew there's, there's, there's a percentage of like a pool somewhere that gets pulled. Sort of, but I don't get paid per commercial. Or if I go, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, it only come to me. It's more for the company than anything. You're being a company guy by taking the, lar- the national spot. I'm being a show guy because if our show makes money, they can pay these fat salaries like Eddie's. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. Like The more money the show makes, the better we all look. And the local spots is where you make the money in your pocket. Correct. Yeah, but it's always like in a small market, it's like thirty bucks. You know, I can do the same yeah. spot in three different places, and depending on how big the city is, it's a different rate for each spot. So if I do Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I may make thirty dollars for that. I'm just making up numbers here. Yeah. Um, if I do Madison, Wisconsin, or Little Rock, kind of a middle-ish market, I can make eighty or ninety dollars. Or if I do Seattle. They could pay me 300 bucks for a 60-second read. So Tupelo could get Bobby Bones, American Idol Bobby Bones, like, for like do $30? Them. And I do them. That's legit. Yeah. It's per market size, basically. There's a rate for each market. You're, you're also in that rate card, yeah. too. You, Lunchbox, Amy, yeah, everyone's on there. No, no, no. Yeah, they they I never get asked. They, actually, they really don't want to ask, to be honest. It's usually Bobby first, and then Bobby says no, then well, it's Amy, and Amy says no. $30. It's a steal. My point is... I wouldn't get me. <laughs> like, dude, that's good. There, but I don't say no to small markets just because they're a small market. Not at all. No, no. I'll say no if it doesn't fit. Like we talked yes. about earlier. So I'm kind of the bad guy in this. So, and I don't mind being that bad guy. I'll play the bad cop and handle that side for you, so you don't have to even ever deal with it. Um, There's a furniture store in Auburn, Indiana that I've been doing for like four years. I think I might pay them to do their spots. But I'm so loyal to them. They came on early and I'm like, let's go. Yeah, cool. I think it's Vans Furniture, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, they're still all around. They love you. Right off State Road 8, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I, know, yeah. I know all about it. 
But people, they're great people. Though. Some yes. of those small markets are—they're good, genuine people, and they just like to be a part of the show. And, if, so, and I can't hate on that. If I got into this for money, I wouldn't be here. That was true. There were there were times when we would do raging idiots and we would do meet and greets, and somebody from those small markets would come and they own the furniture store, and Bobby would be like, "Oh my gosh, you're Greg!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Get you a chair without yeah. no word. I'm gonna jingle, and it would. I would kind of, I kind of treat them like they were celebrities because yeah, to me, I'm doing their commercial and never see their face. I remember yeah. that. Or I would go somewhere and see someone I would do like a real estate commercial uh, in like Virginia Beach and I'm like, Lonnie Bush! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lonnie Bush Realty! This is crazy! <laughs> so I think I was geeking out harder than they were geeking out on me. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's your job but let's go back, way back. Um, but, and I'll say this, I got you and we'll get here in a second. I end up Ended up hiring you from Ryan Seacrest. Yes, yeah. That's where you were before me. Mm-hmm. We will get back around to there. Okay. But first, let's start with Scuba Steve's life. Where'd yeah. you grow up? I grew up in Orlando, Florida, a small town called Oviedo. In Orlando? Is that considered Orlando? Well, like it's like when you live anywhere else, like San Francisco. You're not really from San Francisco. You're from a suburb of that. So Orlando is the larger city, but Oviedo is where I was born and raised. We'll take turns. Let's, let's um, back and forth on questions. Okay. Try to stay in somewhat line, but if you don't, that's okay. Okay. You want to go now or you need another one? You know, now. But go ahead. Where I'm from? No, not, I don't care about you. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I'm not like, you. like round table. I <laughs> no, love this. No. Macallan, Texas, the River Randy Valley. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> no, wait, this is about scuba. Yes, yes, yes. About me you, right now. Okay, when was your first girlfriend? First girlfriend was kindergarten. Not, what? No, <laughs> it's not a real girlfriend. First real girlfriend, then that would probably be Stacy in fifth grade. <laughs> Bones? Okay, so you grew up in Orlando. <laughs> yes. As you were getting older, what was it that you wanted to do for your life? Like when you're 16, 17, having to start to make those decisions? Um, I think at that point, I was like, okay, I definitely want to do something in entertainment. You did? Yeah, because I grew up in Orlando where Nickelodeon was huge. Nickelodeon Studios was located right there on Universal Lot. I wanted something to do with acting or producing, directing of some sort. Always television, always film. From the, Even to this day, it's what I, that's still one of my long-term goals is that. So I wanted to go for that. I wanted to leave Orlando and move to Hollywood. Um, but that didn't work out for a while. I got into like a bunch of you know, mediocre jobs, landscaping, uh, things like that. And then eventually made the move to come out to California. So you're hustling in Orlando, not in media, but just trying to make enough money to pay rent yes, and yeah. the bills. Correct. And you hadn't at least dabbled in the Orlando media world before you went to L.A.? Uh, yeah, because so when I was about 18, 19, I started getting into radio. Uh, but How? So I met somebody at a club event in Orlando. XL. Why are you being fishy about this? You met somebody. Did something happen where he just clicked and said, I should just I saw somebody. the smile. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, there's a couple things that happened. One, I went to, one, I went to this, um, this well, I tried it out, this uh, radio school called Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I've heard of it. And it's literally the biggest load of crap. Okay. <laughs> and, I don't know that that's true, but you did it and you didn't like it. I didn't, yes. You can see on the news of some things that have happened at that okay. school. Anyways, yeah, I went there. And it wasn't and, in Connecticut. It wasn't in Connecticut. It was located in Orlando. They had locations across the country, but Connecticut was where it was originally based. And they promised you this whole, hey, if you come here, we're gonna, you're going to learn from the all-stars in the industry and they're going to hook you up. There were no all-stars in the industry that were there. It was a bunch of people that didn't really make it themselves either. And they taught you on equipment that wasn't really what they were using at the radio stations and in television in general. Um, so I went there for a few months and then I met somebody out and about. So let me pause. You went there 
that was your very first step. You knew you wanted to do it. So yeah. you go and you pay money? Yes. How much money? It was, I think it was $1,000 a month. And it was, a, it was an ad that I heard on, on the radio. Because I was like, oh, I was listening to the radio. I'm like, yeah. oh, I want to get on the radio. This is how you do it. So I figured this is my chance, my shot to get in. So I went there and paid that fee for per month. And while I was there, learned the tools and met somebody along the way who was like, hey, uh, I work for a radio station locally in Orlando here. I think, uh, you know, you got some chops. Let's bring you in, meet the host. What chops did you have at, at Connecticut School of Broadcasting? I guess the, 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 I was always on time. I was there That's early. The chop. That's the choppiest of chops, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay, you want to do that? Did you have a tape that you gave them? Um, he heard me record some stuff in front of him. He was one of the guys that was, I, I came in every once in a while. Wasn't one of the main teachers. So like an adjunct professor at Connecticut School of Broadcasting? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And go ahead, sorry. No, I'm just trying to walk through this with you. I know Eddie's got 19 questions. Like, no, no, no. What's your favorite color? Please go ahead. <laughs> Please go ahead. That was one of them. <laughs> so go ahead, Bones. We'll save that one for later. <laughs> so, so you're... Doing what at this school? Do they give you sheets to read? And are you trying to be a newscaster? Or are they going, you're going to do commercials? It's both. So they, there's a radio side and a television side. The radio side is you know, showing how to work their board and how to talk up a song and how to record a commercial. And the people that were teaching you were just DJs that didn't work out. Most I, of them, yeah. And I say DJs. Like, I don't feel like I'm a DJ. And, and either way, I don't mix music. And I didn't get into this business to play music. Will there be a few songs to play while I'm on the air? Yeah. But I don't care. Like I like the music format I picked to be in was country because I felt like that was the lifestyle group I could most relate to. But if they were like, hey, come do polka, you'll never hear the song. We're just going to put some polka on. I'd be like, great, let's go. As long as I can be me, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. So you, you were working with DJs who talked up music songs. Yes, yeah. And, and that was your goal. And that was what they were trying to teach us was how to do that okay. and how to record it. Basically the basics of radio. Do you still have that? Hey, Mike, get a song up. Let's see if Scuba can hit a, a post from Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All right, here he is. Oh, hold on, let's, let's give him a second. You know what hitting a post is, right? Yeah, we, we hit it right before the, the, the vocals come in. Mike has given you the hardest song. No, that's it's good. Like a, that, that's like a 37-second yeah, intro. Like, you got to tell a lot run. to fill. <laughs> you can tell your whole background. Here. <laughs> is that what you want to do? Yeah. All right, go in three, two, one. So when I hear this song, it reminds me of my father, and we used to hang out by the pool a lot. And he would be like, hey, son, grab me that beer over there. So I grab him the beer. He's like, that screwdriver next to you? Take that too. All right, on the count of three, I want you to pop the bottom. So I pop the bottom, throw it to him. He drink it as fast as he can, and he'd shotgun it. And that was the first time I learned how to shotgun a beer at the age of nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, uh, by the way, we have some tickets to give away in 10 minutes. He was running out of time. Okay. <laughs> oh, shoot, what I really have to say. I give that... A solid C plus though, and you yeah. came in raw. Yeah, you still you hit the post. You had to rush it a little bit. Yeah. Story, story. Oh, look at these minutes. I like that. That's good. That's good. Uh, so you learned how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That who kind of did stuff. you meet? What person? I met a guy named Alex, who was the who eventually got me into the building at Clear Channel in Orlando, Florida. Was he on the air? He was the morning show producer for the morning show at XL. Is he still producing there? He is not. He got cut in 09 when they had all those massive cuts. So he's not in radio anymore? He's in radio, but he's doing smaller roles within Orlando. Okay, so you're now in the building. What do you do at XL in Orlando? So at first I was an intern, so I had to use that CSB that I had as my paperwork for going to school. Did you graduate? Uh, I left before graduation, which really pissed them off because they didn't, they didn't get credit for me getting this internship. 
there's a lot of a lot of because they they basically their whole goal was to get somebody in there and then get credit to say hey XYZ went to the school and look at them now and they were really pissed that I left before graduation didn't fulfill the 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 curriculum because I was like I don't need this I met this guy he's gonna get me and I got an internship see you later this is what I needed huh so they want you in so they can say look what we did and get more money from the next person. Yes. So they can get through and say, look what we did, and to keep that going. Keep that bio on the website. of like, these are all our people that go yeah. to, that went to the school, and here they are now. Are you on the website now? No, they hate me. They, they want nothing to do with me. What, you, so you're an intern? And yes. you, had, you have to have some way to prove that you're in school when you're an intern. Yes, yeah, so I need a paperwork. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yes. Okay. I use that. Uh, Michael Bryan was my PD. Who uh, was the PD at the lo- our local affiliate in Nashville when I moved here. Correct. Yeah. yeah. He was the PD. That's my first run into him. And I was the intern there at XL, and I did that for about a good four or five months. Kind of played the sixth man on the show, did all the behind the scenes. Was it crazy to be on the air, though, even if, even though you weren't getting paid? Like, was your life a little different because people started to think you were kind of famous? Oh, when I would go downtown to Orlando, as an intern, you'd go to the club, and they would go, oh, it's Scuba Steve from the Johnny and Jay Morning Show. And it was the coolest thing for me because I was in my hometown, and I was this small local celebrity. So for me, I got a lot of clout with my friends. Free drinks, free entrances to clubs. All well, that let of me stuff. mention Scuba Steve then, because it sounds like that was already your name. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. As an intern, they named you Scuba Steve. Yeah, birth name Steven, and then Big Daddy was a popular movie at the time, and they just named me Scuba Steve, and I just rolled with it. Ever been scuba diving? Never, huh. never in my life. Do you have an interest? No, my my wife's father passed scuba diving, so I have no interest in scuba diving whatsoever. Your wife's father died while scuba diving? Yeah, on the, they were on some vacation back when she was a kid. And uh, he went scuba diving, and I've just I've had fe- I've had a fear of it in general. But when she told me that, I was like, I'm definitely not scuba diving ever. Whoa. The irony for her. Now think about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And by the way, lovely. Yeah, I think your wife is lovely. Thank you. She's got this dad. He goes scuba diving. Unfortunately, passes away. Well, it's time for her to live her life now as an adult. Mm-hmm. She meets a guy. His name is Scuba, scuba Steve, <laughs> and has to think about that right? every day. Everything was manifested in some weird way. Wow, that would be like your grandpa getting hit by a train. You meet a guy named Choo Choo McGee. Yeah. <laughs> Every you're like, day. You're like, I'm going to marry Choo Choo. <laughs> God dang, man. And it, was, it was a very weird coincidence. <laughs> okay, so you're interning there. Mm-hmm. When does it turn into a real job and what's the real job? So I'm interning there. They do all those massive cuts in 2009. And I was one of those that was, because uh, I, I got brought on part-time for a little bit after the internship. They cut me because they cut all part-timers. Uh, but then I met a guy on my way out named Rick Everett. He's the PD at the rock station there. And he's like, hey, look, man, just hang tight. I got something for you in the works. You know, we'll get something on the books for you in the, in the next couple months. So I kind of just, I took his word. I waited a couple months. He hit What'd me back. What did you do during that two months? I was applying at every radio station across the country, from Canada down to Mexico. Were you also doing a job, though, to make rent? No, that was when I was living with my ex-wife. Who was paying rent. Who was paying rent and paying for everything. And Who we found out on the radio show cheated on him, and he found out on Ashley Madison. Go listen to the Bobby cast. No, go Good listen one. to the Bobby Bone show on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That was when that was? We talked yes, about that? Yes, Thursday, yeah. Man, I feel bad about that one. No, I don't. No, it's okay. Story. Not at all. Great story, though. Jeez. I can't believe he's Scuba Steve. I would have dropped that when I met your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd have been like Stunning Steve. Not him, though. <laughs> or Spatula Steve. I just wouldn't have stayed with Scuba Steve when your wife's dad died scuba diving. Yeah, yeah. She was. I guess she was fine with it. She doesn't have a problem. So, Have you ever asked her that? Um, I, I just <laughs> assume. <laughs> I assume she's fine with it. I've never really brought it up. I mean, it was mentioned to me that that happened. I didn't, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think that's probably something you need mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
Huh. Does she ever call you scuba? Never, no. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> never, no ever. Way. <laughs> Is she comfortable with you talking about that? Yeah, totally. So I think the people on the radio show would be blown away at that story and not in like a funny way, but yeah. in an, you know, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> Could I bring that up on the show next week? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want your wife to be upset. No, it's been a long time. Her father passed when she was 12. So it's also been a, a very, very long time. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, tacovas.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, how do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Okay, so you're working part-time at the rock station? Is that what they hired you on to do? So then he brings you back, and then that's what it is. It's two things. One, he needs help launching a sports station. So I, that was pretty much my main priority, was to help get the station launched, run it, do everything for it. Production, run the board for all the shows, 
get that off the ground and also help out at the rock station, which my goal was, oh, I want to be on this rock station in some capacity. Uh, and then I also started working for Johnny again on the morning show. So I was doing morning show from about four until about uh, one and then went over to the sports station, did that to the afternoon, did the rock station in the evening and went home and did all over again for seven days a week. And I'm not even going to go wow because I did the same crap. Yeah, I guess what you just got to do. I think yeah. it's great. But uh, you know, I'm not going to be like, dang, I can't believe you did that. No. I did it too. Yeah, you have to do My that. My D's done it. Yep. We've yeah. all done that crap. Well, Eddie has, and he kind of got brought in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were working with Johnny. Was it Johnny and Jade? Jade, yeah. Jade, I think you know who she is, right? I know, I know Jade pretty well. Yeah. She, now, she lives in Nashville now and works for Apple Music. Apple, yeah. Yeah. And but I know Jade through a couple different things. But yeah, so Jade and I are, are were you guys cool? Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we still talk to this day. Cool, I like her. Yeah, if he didn't, no, we're great. I, I, yeah, when she yeah. was here in town a year ago, before she took the gig, we went and had lunch and everything. So, yeah, so we're great. She was one of the hosts while you were what position? She was the co-host when I was intern, but then also became a person on the show, a part-time personality and so, producer. But you were you a producer on that show? Yes. What so, did you produce? So I was the as- associate producer. So I would do kind of like what Abby does: screen calls, edit audio, get some audio on the streets, put together you know one sheets. All that basic yeah. stuff. Okay, so you're doing that for how long? I did that for about about a year, year and a half. And then are you going, I got to get out of here and go somewhere bigger, or did you kind of get pushed out? Uh, I wanted a full-time position. They dangled that carrot for years. You know, we eventually be full-time. I was working seven days a week, but only logging 29 hours. Um, and I was fine with that. Like you said, you have, to, you have to grind, and I'm totally cool with that. And then I got to a point where I wasn't going to get that full-time position anytime soon. My ex-wife at the time got the opportunity to move to San Francisco. And I knew nothing about it. I just knew it was a bigger city. It was California. It's an opportunity. Let's do it. So I quit my job. And before I quit my job, uh, I remember the moment where we were driving. We had the U-Haul packed, the car ready to go, everything to hit the road. And I went back to the Clear Channel building before my email expired. And I emailed all the PDs in San Francisco and the operations manager and said, Hey, this is me, resume. I'm heading that way. Even if we can just have a conversation, coffee, whatever, um, I have no job. I'm willing to do whatever you need. I'll do it. And then I got some responses on the drive to San Francisco. And then let me pause you for one second, sure. Eddie. What's the question you want to ask him? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm listening. It's, I, w- I want to hear. Probably blue and green. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. You don't have any like side <laughs> no, questions? No, no, no. This is a good story. Comic relief? No, I'm no. good. Okay, just making sure. I want you to feel left out over there. <laughs> you made fun of my first question. I'm scarred by that. <laughs> You're driving. You get emails back. Yeah, I get emails back saying, hey, when you come to town, hit me up. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. By the way, there almost isn't a farther drive. Oh, it's super far. Because you're going from the bottom right, basically to the upper left. I mean, you could have gone to Seattle, I guess that would have been further, but Seattle, Portland. But other than that, that's about as far as you can go. Yeah, and I remember the car with somebody that I sort of hate at the time. So it was a fun three to four day drive. What do you mean sort of hate? Because you weren't divorcing then. No, but we were. our relationship was sort of on that verge of things weren't going right. Like, and you still thought you wanted to move with her even though things weren't going right? Yeah, because I saw this as an opportunity to change me as a person and take me out of my hometown, which was, I love Orlando, but I wanted to grow. And I've, for me to grow, I have to go somewhere. So so what were the emails saying as you were driving? They were just basic, just like, hey, when you get to town, hit us up. And I responded, say, no problem, I'll be there in this date. Let's lock in a date when I get to town. And, and then that happened. I talked to three different people. Uh, one of them was Kat Collins, who's a PD over there. Uh, at Wild 94.9, who was like the top 40 station in San Francisco. Uh, Andrew Jeffries was another one. He was just a PD at the time for Star, like a hot AC. And then Don Parker, who was the operations manager. And they're all like, hey, we don't have any gigs at the moment, but we'd love for you to come in and just, just, you know, just talk. I talked to Kat for like two hours, just talking about radio and life and the move. 
and everyone seemed to be pretty interested in, in me taking the chance of quitting my job and moving out here with this girl in hopes that things just happen to work out. And What job did you get eventually? So eventually, Andrew Jeffries was like, hey man, I got something for you. Um, it's not a morning show producer or anything that you were looking for, but it's an end to the building. And, and if you get in, and as you know, that's, you know, that's the ticket. You just want to get into the building, get that email, get that key card. And so he's like, hey, I have a producer position where you basically take the Seacrest show on the local end and you localize it, insert it into the system and watch the board, which is kind of funny because later in life I end up working for Seacrest. Doing the opposite, sending the stuff. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So how long did you do that? So I did that for about three to four months, and then there was a morning show opportunity with a guy named Don Blue uh, at Star 101.3, and I became his morning show producer. From that? And then from that, I did that for about a good two years, and then the, in the building was the JV show, who used to do this show called The Doghouse, and him and Rico needed a executive producer because they were going to start taking on affiliates, and they just had, they didn't have any organization within their show, and they needed someone to kind of help that out and plan the day and do all the day-to-day stuff. So I went on and did that. And that was a wild ride for a good three, three, four years. What's wild about it? Um, the fact that those personalities, I don't ever met them before or worked with them. Um, JV is a great guy, but he's from that old school radio era of I'm going to piss you off to the absolute brink and watch you break for content. So he would like push my buttons and push my buttons and push my buttons and just wreck me. I mean, literally rip the flesh off my skin. Not literally. Not literally, but figuratively to get a reaction out of me for whatever was going on. Like basically I was the butt of every joke for everything, no matter how hard I worked or did whatever, which at the moment I was like, God, I hate this guy. This is so ridiculous. But it made me who I am today, gave me the thick skin and gave me the tools to take it on to the next level ever getting an off-air screaming match with him uh, on air and off-air but an off-air those extremely intense mm-hmm. on air you can at least a little bit of a go that's for the show yeah like i turned it up for the show sure you ever get an off-air screaming match well the problem too a lot of our off-air screen matches he'd press record on the box pro <laughs> <laughs> and they would turn into an on-air match without even realizing or he'd, fl- or he'd flip the mics on like i cursed in the air three or four times said the f word the s word not knowing it but it, just because I didn't know I was, we were live on the radio, he'd flip it on, and all of a sudden, I'd be telling him to go F himself, and, uh, and, and there it was. Why did that relationship end? Uh, that ended because uh, of money and the dying need to come to L.A. at some point. So you weren't getting paid enough for what you were doing? Oh, not at all, no. Now you've established yourself as a producer, but are you going, I'm a talent. Why am I producing? Or are you like, dang, this producing is, who knew? Where it's at? Well, I think it was a combination of both. Because then when I went to, as I was leaving San Francisco, I made relationships in the alt format. Uh, and I was like, look, I want to track. Can I do some tracking on the side to kind of have my own creative thing? Uh, so I tracked in like Stockton, Bakersfield, small markets outside. Tracking what, what shifts? Uh, midday. Well, first it was fill-in shifts. Then when I got to the Seacrest show, then I was full-time midday on a alt station. Wow. So, so I would basically wake up super early in the morning, track that midday shift, and then go over to my desk at the Seacrest studio and do my job there. Did you know, fun fact, pop up videos, boop, that when we were doing this show, uh-huh. we really started to gain some steam, probably had about 100 affiliates. Eddie and I were also doing afternoons on a rock station. Oh, really? Under fake names, and we never said it was <laughs> Really? Red. Yeah. yeah it was, That's pretty cool. I was like a Mexican dude who had yeah. like a bad accent. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes, Mr. Bones, yes. For real? Like, yes. Like that? So, yes. It was me uh-huh. and Cruz? At, the, at the time my assistant... Uh-huh. And Eddie, and it was Slappy the Wonder Boy and Zeus, and Eddie and would. I was, I was Slappy the Wonder Boy, uh-huh. and Cruz was Zeus, 
Deuce. And, and Eddie was Chico. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Uh-huh. And we did and it forever. And we, had, we were just doing it. We were just going to my office where there's a studio and knock yeah. it out in 30, 45 minutes. We were, yeah. While doing the Bobby Bones show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, we just did it after the shift. We'd walk in and we thought it was hilarious. And we would play, we'd play all <laughs> rock music. Ooh, this is a good yeah. one, Bones. We, we, <laughs> I like this one. It's Slappy the Wonder Boy. Oh, 93.3. Zeus, how you feel? Oh, this one's really good. No, you're Chico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Zeus. <laughs> Zeus would be like, yeah, I like it, Bones. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty rad. That's really cool. So we did that for a while. I like that. Uh, just okay. Pop up videos over. Um, so <laughs> you you want to go to L.A.? Yes. Do you have a job first? No. So I quit that job as well. Um, and at that point, I was with my wife. My my I don't want to say current wife, but my forever wife, my my soulmate. And she had seen what this job had had done to me. The hours that I put into it versus the compensation I was receiving and the way I was being treated. She's like, look, I support you. You want to go to L.A. I'll stay here in San Francisco with my family. And she had a good job in the city, paid really, really well. She's like, look, you go ahead and go. And if it works out, I'll come down there and meet you. If it doesn't work out, then you at least come back here and we'll figure it out. So I moved down to LA and within a few days I had a connection and I got a job at Dr. Phil's show where I was running and doing PA work. Um, and that, while I was doing that, I got a phone call from a guy named Dennis Clark who I met in San Francisco. And he's like, hey, I know you're in LA. I heard you left. He goes, uh, he goes sit tight. I got something for you. Did you ever meet Dr. Phil? Yeah, a couple times, yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs in the middle. Good and bad? I mean, I, this, I always hate to say about people because you just never know their mood that day. And he always seemed like he was very busy and his goal was to get in and get out. So I can't really say I, I didn't like the guy. I just can say that he was just there. You're uh, not saying you dislike him, but you are saying you didn't like him. Yeah, it was, I was indifferent on it, yeah. Huh. I mean, he seemed like he was just trying to do his job and go home. It okay. sounds like you didn't have a lot of time to get to know him. So well, that too, yeah. You yeah. just would have got to know. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he was living up in a Beverly Hills mansion. Like, yeah. we had a different lifestyle. I was a runner and he was the host of the show. <laughs> so Dennis Clark, who I know as well, hits you up and says, hey, we got a job for you. What's the job? And then as the supervising producer for Seacrest National Show. And I was like, holy crap, this is really cool. I'll What's entertain this. So it started off and I built onto it. It was basically, it was very bare minimum. You basically took the local show and you had a team of editors and a writer and stripped it down, wrote pickups, approved the edits, and they shipped it out and then dealt with some affiliates. Very basic, very easy. Good paying job? It was much, it was much better than Dr. Phil's show and working in uh, San Francisco. So yeah, it was fine. It wasn't the greatest, but it definitely paid much better. So I was cool with it. Would you say you were thriving or just starting to do better than surviving? Um, I would say starting to do better than surviving. Because L.A. is expensive. That's the thing, too. If, if yeah. I made the salary anywhere else, I'd be great. But in L.A., it was very expensive with rent and just the cost of living was really high. Yeah, drugs. Drugs, yeah. <laughs> Hookers, prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you are working with Ryan. Did our paths ever cross before you came here? There was a couple times. There was, I think, one time when you were doing thumbs Dancing up, with the Stars. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> uh, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know you, so there was one time you came by, I recognized you, because they were like, oh, it's Bobby. And I was like, oh, it's Bobby. And then I Googled and figured it out. And uh, what, you were, what, was it, what was I doing? Just working in the building? Well, you were, I think, in the building tracking or doing something, because you were doing Dance with the Stars, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you came over, and I think you're looking for Tanya, mm-hmm. um, which that's a funny story, too, about their producer. 
Um, and you were you came to the black glass room looking for somebody, and you and I guess that we were tracking a recording, and so you you like waved and left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that there was a moment on that show that we were trying to connect Tanya with you. No, uh, that was that wasn't gonna happen. Well, yeah, it wasn't gonna happen. But yeah. <laughs> but they but she was trying to, and they were yeah, trying yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Not saying you reached out for it or anything, but they were trying to make it happen. But uh, and I was gonna put it on the national show, and the local producer who I think has a crush on her. And he got really butthurt about it. And he was like, uh, take that off. We're not airing that. And I said, F him. So I put it on the national show anyways, because him and I didn't get along. We butt heads a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. So that was our first run in. First run in. The second run in was, it was actually right before I took this job. Very, very close to it. We were at a hotel. I was at the bar and um, it's this hotel that's in Hollywood at the corner of Right near the mall, you know the uh, what's that big mall, um, Beverly Hills Mall, whatever. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but there's a hotel across the street from a mall, yeah. and we were over at that. We were at the bar, and it was when I was in the interviewing process before I had actually even got to you or anyone. It was just kind of behind the scenes of I may make this move. I was at the bar with some friends, and um, and you were sitting in another area just chilling by yourself. And I look over, and they're like, <laughs> and then my friend John Manuel's like, "Hey, it's Bobby." And I was like, I look over, I was like, "Oh, he goes, that's a weird coincidence." And I was like, "Yeah, you should go over and say hi to him." I was like, "No, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything." And he goes, all right. And then we ended up walking sort of together toward the elevator to go up. And you went in another elevator. I went in another elevator. All that happened, you didn't even say hello? I didn't say anything because I was like, I didn't know you. You're a freaking loser. Who the hell is creepy, Just say hi. But I didn't know you. I I was by myself just chilling somewhere. You're by yourself. And then I think think it was maybe Jessica at some point came over. uh, My my assistant. Your assistant. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And she came over and, and did something and you like went away. Huh. Yeah, You're chilling at a hotel by yourself. What a man. weirdo! Scuba Steve didn't even say hi. Both of you guys. Well, I, I wanted to, but I felt weird. <laughs> I'm by myself all the time, but not not as much anymore. Right. But, but pre Caitlin, that's how I live my life. Uh, you were just chilling on your phone. You gave me a look like, "Who the hell is this guy?" No, just kidding. Okay, <laughs> I'll probably give you a look like, "Please be my friend." <laughs> anybody, anybody, be my friend. Actually, you had that thing, and I had this like gut feeling. And you probably has happened to all of you before, where you're sitting there, you want to say hi to somebody. It could be anybody of any capacity, and you just have this feeling you should say it, and you should say it, and you don't say it. And I just almost like threw up, and I was like, ah, "I'm not going to do this." I'm just gonna leave it alone. <laughs> so I didn't know Scuba, but he was recommended by a couple different people that I trust. And I was like, okay, great. So if Scuba flies in, we interviewed, it was fantastic. I interviewed like three or four people that all were highly recommended. And because I'd always just hired people that I knew or trained. And I was like, man, for me to grow, I need somebody that knows things other than what I know. Because I only know what I've figured out myself. And so offered to Scuba. He was like, I need more money. But also on the on the quiet side, I was like, Scuba, just tell him you need more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't don't take the first deal. Like, hold out. Because I knew we were going to get him, but I also wanted him to squeeze him for as much as he could get. But was he available or how? No, no but that was a whole other thing. Oh, okay. He wasn't. He was working with Ryan. And so I reached out to Ryan and was like, hey, I would love to talk to Scuba. But Ryan's team loved Scuba so much, they didn't really want to get rid of Scuba. And so there was this whole month or so, I was like, I'd like to have Scuba. <laughs> And they were like, we don't want you to have scuba. And finally, I was like, it would mean a lot to me because I want to elevate him. This will be literally the biggest position. Uh, finally, Ryan called. I was like, okay, you can have scuba. But yeah, that was, it, was, it was a little tight for a bit. It was, yeah. It was almost a good month and a half, mm-hmm. two months going back and forth. And I had to wait for Ryan because Ryan was on vacation at the moment. And then when he came back, and then we eventually had to uh, have the conversation over the phone, which wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to talk to him face to face because I have a lot of respect for him. And, and he really helped me out with my career at that moment and did a lot for me. And I learned a lot from him. It was pretty cool to work with Ryan Seacrest. 
Um, and we had that weird conversation on the phone where I kept cutting out and I would say something, you go, what's that? And, and, I, and I, had, I had it all planned out, like bullet points of what I wanted to say. Yeah. And I had to keep saying it over and over and over. And eventually I was like, God, he's not going to get what I'm trying to say. But at, at the end, he kind of understood what he's like. Oh, so what I'm trying to hear is that you want to grow. You're looking to move your family to a different location <laughs> uh, and increase your pay. I'm like, yeah, he goes, I'm totally cool with that. I hate to see you go. I love you. You work hard. You're one of the best employees on my team. But if this is what you want, I give you my blessing. And I was like, perfect. Cool. That's what I was looking for was his blessing. And then he called me and was like, yeah, fine, you can have it. I was like, thank you, thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, so I moved over, um, and here you are now. How do you feel a year? And This last year's been weird, though, so it's kind of hard to... Yeah. It hasn't been extremely normal, but it hasn't been for anyone. But you've almost spent your entire existence here abnormal. It has been. It, it, the abnormal has become normal. It's been weird because you come to the city, and it's a fun, cool city to go out and do things and check things out, and you really can't. And my wife, we have a kid, and she was pregnant throughout this pandemic. And so I was also very paranoid about going anywhere and seeing anything. And you meet labels and people and everyone's wearing a mask. So you don't know what anyone looks like. Mm. You meet them six, seven times. It's been a really weird year, but it's been a cool year and it's helped me grow a lot as a person and as an employee. So it's been weird, but it's been cool and I'm down with it. Had another kid, got two kids now. Yeah. Um, and you talked about Dr. Phil, I talked about Ryan Seacrest. What about me? Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're great. Your thumbs up. What's the hardest part of executive producing my show about me what's the hardest part about me about you personally about me as a talent like what's the what are you constantly like oh my god i don't know how i'm gonna get this or get him to do this or like what is the the thing that you go to your wife and complain the most about me well i don't complain to her because this is the one job i will say i haven't complained about anything because i finally found a position where i feel like okay this is like you talked about it's a great position it's a growing position it's a show that's thriving uh, there are a lot of people when I got this job, they're like, damn, dude, you got the position. Like, that's the show to be on because that show is growing and the company believes in it. And I've noticed that through my conference calls and meetings. This is the show the company is backing and believes in, which is great. So I made the right decision. I think one thing, um, and it's also my problem too, is because you're someone who has done a lot of it yourself. And because you've, you know, you've even told me we had meetings before in the past, like, hey, man, there was one time I had seven Comrexes and I was running this and doing this whole thing and figuring out everything on my own. You have the, it's that kind of personality where you're like, look, this is me, this is my baby, and it's tough to let go of it. And you even preface it when I had the interview. You're like, hey, look, man, this is a group of people that we've been together for a long time. This is uh, it's gonna be tough to jump in somebody new. Everyone's been together for ten plus years. You know, you're the new guy. You got to kind of find your way in. And I found my way, and I feel like with pretty much everybody. Um, I would say everyone, yeah, except for Mike. Mike doesn't seem really like Mike me. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not close yeah. To it's okay though. Yeah, it's all right. Just me. Yeah. Um, so it's it, been the control, the me, yeah. me going, I still need control. Yes, and I, but, I, but I'm also a person that understands that because I'm also the exact same personality type. So if I didn't have that type of personality, I'd be like, man, what the hell, dude? Why doesn't he just give me a little more control? But I understand that, and I also understand this is a long-term game, and it's a building the relationship and getting you to trust me, which I feel like that has grown over this last year of gaining some sort of trust and also just letting you know like hey look i would never crap on the show i would never ruin it i would never do anything that would jeopardize you or this show so I, I hope that over this next few years that we continue to grow and build on that so you can get more trust in me and i, I understand that i get that i'm totally fine with that i do feel i've gotten a little better at it though you have a little bit yeah in the, yeah a little bit in the beginning it was i was like damn i'd pitch ideas or things or say stuff or even just like little things like within the show content and I'm like, okay, all right. And I, I would beat myself down. I'm like, I get it. It's his show. This is your show. It's got your name on it. I respect that 110. Um, percent So I just, for me, it's it's a it's a it's a process to to kind of just 
get you to really trust me to where we can have that relationship to where, all right, cool, you got it. This is your thing. I want to do like Maddie in the morning, Mike, and just walk in and everything's done. Yeah. <laughs> I think I want that, but then I can never do you that. You can't do that. Yeah, it's tough. And I understand that that'd be, that'd be cool. There are a lot of personalities that have that where they walk in and there's a stack of papers and it's all organized from top of show to end of show and they literally look at it, read it, and just go from one to the next, one to the next. But then those shows don't have the life that this show has. So I've also come to the understanding that that's okay that it isn't that way because this show wouldn't be where it is if, if you weren't more in control of it because this is your brand, this is your product. And I feel like the way we do it is, is actually, it's okay and it's fine and it, it works. That's better than okay and fine. Well, you, know, well, you know what I mean. I mean, it, it is a mediocre. It's I admit. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> it's fair. It's well, you know, milk toast. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, okay, on the opposite, what's yeah. the best thing? The best thing, um, I would say that this show has been inclusive, and they have invited me in, and ha- not on the personal level, like teach me how to shoot a shotgun, Eddie. But <laughs> I don't hang out. <laughs> but at work. I would say this team has been more inviting and more welcoming and more open to me coming onto the show, being the guy that's the newest of this show. And that's been the coolest. And everyone has been accepting of me and, and has allowed me to come in and work with me and work well with me, which has been cool. We're going to end this on one Eddie question. Okay. Eddie, what's the one question that you'd like to ask Scuba Steve? It's Friday night. Mm-hmm. You got nothing to do. Uh. What are you ordering to eat? And what are you going to watch on TV? He starts to cry. All that other stuff doesn't do anything to him. And now he starts to get emotional. <laughs> My mom wants bumpy pasta. Um, what, uh, if I'm in this city, I don't really know what I'm eating. But if I'm eating in a city that has my food that I want, I'm eating at Little Thai Ocha in Van Nuys, California. What is that? What is that? It's like it's it Thai, Thai food. food? Oh, Thai food. Thai food. Um, Thai food, Van Nuys, California. They got this amazing orange chicken. They got this pork, this fried pork belly with bok choy and Chinese broccoli dipped in this like amazing black sauce. I don't know what it is. It's some sort of like soy sauce mixed with hoisin sauce, a couple other things. Uh, their hot drop soup, uh, their Vietnamese coffee or tea, whatever it is, and probably watching, uh, I would say, Law and Order, um, Special Victims Unit, or wow. uh, Criminal Intent. Wow. Brothers, sisters? I'm the oldest of four. I have twin brother and sister and little sister. Parents still alive? Uh, mom's alive. Dad passed away recently, but we didn't have a relationship, so. Stepdad? Uh, I had three stepdads. Wow. That was, that was cool. Wow. <laughs> no, it wasn't. On the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. wow. Uh, you've been married twice? Yes, This yeah. time with your forever wife? Correct, my soulmate, yeah. Soulmate. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like, Ed, did you learn something here? Yeah, man. I'm telling you, this guy's full of stories. And we're, and we're going to go on and on. And, and like in a few months, he's, you're going to find something out. And we'll be like, what? Oh, my gosh. We got to talk about this, more about this. Because that's what it is, dude. He's got all kinds of stories, like the, the, man, the mansion he lived in, yeah. uh, things like that. And then like, I, like even my wife the other day was just like, he really found dead bodies in his house. Like, well, not bodies, dead people. <laughs> I, I know, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, make yeah. this up. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. You can make it up, though. I just found nine dead bodies, a monkey, and uh, a talking dog. Stop yeah. it. Like how I just made that up. That's no problem. fake, though. <laughs> I came here in a spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> okay. All right, Scuba Steve, thank you. Uh, follow Scuba Steve on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Not, at, not, uh-huh. Is that yes? Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, you don't know my handle? It's at, <laughs> at Scuba Steve Radio. I did see the B Team Facebook page. I people to follow you the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were oh, like, cool. 
Get I don't, I don't do Facebook, so I don't, I don't check that out. No, no, they were. On, they have a Facebook. I don't do Facebook. <laughs> yeah. They have a Facebook group. It's okay. actually the only good Facebook group with our show because our show page is evil. Yeah. But um, they were like, everybody go follow Scoop Steve on Instagram. Oh, cool, awesome, yeah, so thank you. you. A bunch of followers. All right, that's it. Thank you very much, Scoop Steve, everybody. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you did it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.